listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today, uh, something really interesting that I've never really covered before that I'd like to cover with you today. This, this, this came up. I've been going through all this stuff, you know, just thinking about it. And um, in, especially in regards to uh, the day and age we're living in, you know, the, the last days, the final days before Christ returns, what will happen after Christ returns. And um, just kind of watching like, you know, these things that are happening in the culture. And uh, I'll, I'll also go over something I tweeted earlier this morning because it all ties in it's all the same. It's all the same spirit. But um, if you haven't shared it, share it. We're going to talk about um, what the Joe Rogan controversy teaches us or shows us about uh, the end times, the last days. And um, I want to I want to break it down for you from Scripture and show you the spirit and how it's operating in the world and why it's operating the way that it is and how that functions in, in end time Bible prophecy. Uh, really extremely interesting to me because when you, uh, let me, let me back up. If you don't know, cause I did talk to some people yesterday that didn't know. Um, if you don't know who Joe Rogan is, Joe Rogan, you may remember him from the fear factor. He was the host of the fear factor. He's a UFC commentator um, but most famously, he has the largest podcast in the world. Um, they just recently reported that every one of his uh, episodes has an average of 11 million listeners. I mean, think about that. And they compared that to mainstream media news networks. And it's more, it's far more, by the way, than the most watched mainstream media news network episodes. So like whether it's CNN, Fox News, it doesn't matter which one you pick. I think the largest ones had like 4 million viewers per episode and he's at 11 million. Some of them that were the most watched show on the network had 2 million viewers uh, per episode. One I saw was like 890,000 per episode and he's at 11 million uh, per each episode that he releases and they're long. I mean, you know, they're like three and a half, four hours long each episode because he just has an open conversation with people. And, um, and of course, he's been in the, in the news for some controversy even before this when he got the virus and then he kind of made public the, uh, the, the grouping of medications that he was taking prescribed by his doctors. And then, of course, CNN tried to blast him because, you know, he listed ivermectin as one of the things that he um, was taking to get better. And, of course, they said he was taking horse dewormer and horse medication and all. That was a big controversy. Um, and so, obviously, they hate him. Now, here's what's crazy to me, if you've never seen this before. What's crazy to me is that Joe Rogan is not a Christian. He, he's actually an atheist, a self-proclaimed atheist or unagnostic as any honest atheist will admit that they are. Um, 
because although they don't believe there's a God, there is no scientific way to prove there's not a God. So any honest atheist has to say, I'm an agnostic. So he, that's what he says. He, you know, he's not a Christian by any means. And here's what else is pretty interesting. He also is not uh, a conservative. You know, he's, he's a liberal. You know, he's, he's a liberal, although he'd be considered more of like a, a, a classic liberal rather than what, what we're seeing today. But, you know, it's not like he's this right wing, you know, nut job that has all these like libertarian views. He's, he's a classic liberal atheist. And it's crazy to me that though he's a, he's a le- left wing, classic liberal atheist, he is still being hated by the spirit of this world. And he absolutely is. There's no question about it. And um, I started looking at that. Like, what is, the, what is the story with all of this? Why is he getting such pushback? And it's because he's asking questions. He is not just swallowing the Antichrist agenda hook, line, and sinker. He's not uh, just receiving and believing the Antichrist propaganda without question. And so because he's not falling in line and because he's not just, um, you know, getting in with all the other lemmings, you know, he's being hated on. And of course, they don't want, <clears throat> they don't want someone like him to be able to be freely heard around the world because it truly does not fall in line with their agenda. And, um, I, before I jump into like what's been going on and how it applies to uh, Bible prophecy, let me say that he's had some, some serious controversy within the last month, I would say. And here's why. If you don't know why, let me just break it down for you because this is important. It's very important, actually. Um, first of all, he just did two interviews that were extremely controversial not to me, but to the people that don't like uh, people deviating from the Antichrist message or agenda. So two men that he interviewed, number one was Dr. Peter McCullough, who is not just a doctor, he is one of the leading cardiologists in the history of cardiology. And he's the most published cardiologist in the history of cardiology. Stop and think about that for a minute. In medical journals, he is the most published cardiologist in the history of cardiology. And they say when people write about any issues of the heart, cardiology, when people write papers on it, when they make citations, his papers are cited 80% of the time. Think about that, the impact that he's, he's making with that. So the leading voice, without question, the leading voice in cardiology, the leading voice in that, especially in that sector of, of publications, he's no dummy. I think we can just say it that way. He's no dummy. No question about that. And then you move on and see that he interviewed a man named Dr. Robert Malone. Dr. Robert Malone, if you don't know who he is, He's been doing uh, work in his medical field for, what, 40 years? Close to 40 years, if not 40. He is the claimed inventor 
of the mRNA um, technology, you know, a lot of which is used to deliver the vaccines into your body and holds nine patents from the 1980s on the invention of that technology, right? So these guys are not dummies and they're not some crazy, uh, you know, political weirdos that are just trying to get their thoughts across. In fact, if you were to go back and listen to their interviews, which, you know, I encourage you to do, they can only be found on Spotify because if you don't know this, uh, Spotify is the only place that you can listen to Joe Rogan because they paid $100 million to buy the exclusive rights to his podcast. And so because they paid him a hundred million bucks, it's the only place it airs. So, um, you'll see highlights on YouTube and stuff, but the full episodes are only on Spotify and you can get a free account if you want. You don't have to pay for Spotify. So when you go to, um, listen to these episodes, these guys aren't just like freaking out. Like, I can't, I want you to know that this stuff is dangerous. Like they're not like that. These are doctors. These are scientists. And they're just sitting there calmly explaining the facts on what they know, what they've seen, you know, what they've treated, different things like that. What they've, you know, what the data says. And actually the other thing is that, uh, you know, when they explain these things, they're very reluctant. Like, for example, Dr. Peter McCullough, very reluctant to say anything in response to a question that is merely his conjecture or his opinion, you know, or his viewpoint. And he'll say it flat out. He'll say, you know, you're asking me to give opinion about something or make a, um, an observation from literally, you know, my, my own observations that are not based on fact or data. He said, I, I don't really do that. And he said, in fact, because of my, my lawyers uh, and what they've told me to do, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make any statements that, are based on, that aren't based on data that's published. And so it's not like they're out there making crazy claims and all this irresponsible you know, nonsense going out. They're not doing that. They're simply saying, this is what the data says. This is what is actually taking place. We can see it from the reported data. Dr. Peter McCullough, I believe he stood before Congress uh, early on during this whole thing and said that if you would do, if you would switch away from these nonsensical measures and do things to treat people at home ahead of time, that you could have saved 50% of the deaths. Now think about these numbers. He said, I was being very conservative, but he said, if, if they would have, if the government would have uh, taken, made moves, even to say it in the media, get doctors and hospitals to do it, and to, to treat these things at home before there was a problem that needed you to go to the hospital, he said, we could have saved 50% of the deaths that took place. Well, that was his initial count. But the more the data came out and the more he saw what was going on, he stood before Congress a second time. And he said, I had to be more honest. He said, once, once I saw the data, he said, if we would have done this, what we should have done and what we, we knew worked ahead of time, we could have spared 80% of the deaths. We could have saved 80% of those lives. lives. And he said, because we didn't, you know, th those people had to die, but they didn't have to if we would have just done what we knew worked. But here's the question. There's no money in that, is there? 
There's no money uh, involved for a hospital to treat, to tell somebody what they can do at home so that they're not hospitalized. How wicked is that? That there's, because there's no money in it, then there's no push to go do it. And so people that could have been absolutely fine, people could have been absolutely fine, but because there's no money in, in teaching people how to treat themselves from home and how to do things so that they would have been fine, rather than that, just push, you know, masks, which we now know, even according to the CDC, do not work, you know, to prevent any kind of uh, infection. And, and now we're seeing that, of course, it's, it's true that's being reported that, that the jab will also not prevent you from uh, getting the virus or spreading the virus. So all these things are being revealed to us later. These guys were trying to tell them ahead of time. You know, these things aren't going to work. We need to do what's going to keep people from going into the hospital. And no action was taken on that front. Absolutely no action was taken. Um, and in fact, one of the reasons we find out that, um, you know, the government does not want any, uh, anybody taking ivermectin, well, it's a very cheap drug that you can't make money on. You can't make money on it. Very easy, easily accessible and very inexpensive. Well, how can you make money on that as big pharma? You can't. You can't. And so what, what would they do instead? Push the narrative away from things that are effective in many cases, like hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin. In many cases, they are effective, but push the narrative away from that and, um, and, and get people to go to where big pharma is pushing. That's all, that all makes sense, obviously, for those that want to make a lot of money. And so when you look at, um, at this in regards to Bible prophecy, okay, well, how does this tie in? Well, look at how they're so hard, like so heavily trying to control his voice. Now, here's the man with the largest listener base in the world, largest listener base in the world. And you would never have picked him out of the crowd. A former MMA fighter, uh, you know, that, that uh, you know, smokes pot, psychedelics, eats mushrooms, gets high, you know, whatever. And, and it's just like, it, you wouldn't think that's the guy that would end up having the biggest listener base in the history of the world. But he does. And um, they don't want his voice to be heard, not because he's a Christian, not because he's a conservative, but because he is questioning the uh, antichrist agenda and he's questioning the mainstream media propaganda and and they don't they hate it they absolutely hate it so they tried to uh literally mess with him on uh, on the mainstream media you saw the cnn uh really it's defamation it's 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 and he made it very clear that he could sue them if he wanted to uh you know he he, he went after their medical correspondent who came onto his show Dr. Sanjay Gupta, and said, do you feel it's okay that your network is lying? I mean, just knowingly lying about me, knowingly posting lies on their news network, and we tried to dance around it. Well, I don't know if that's, you know, they're really actually lying. No, they're lying. They're lying. You know, he went through the whole thing, but why is this all happening? Why are these things going on? Well, you can see that they don't like the questions he's asking. They don't like the interviews that he's, he's having, and the doctor's. Now, let's get to this for a second. The two doctors I mentioned, Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, have both been removed 
from all social media platforms. So think about that for a minute. They've both been removed from all social media platforms. Totally silenced. And they're not being silenced because they're whack jobs. They're not being silenced because they're dangerous or, or because they're propagandists or have some political agenda at all. That's not why. They are simply showing the data and literally extrapolating their theories from the data. That's it. That's it. So you, you and you see, well, everybody that's screaming, you know, look, <laughs> everybody that's screaming, uh, follow the science, follow the science. Well, that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. They're doctors, they are scientists, and they're experts in their field, and they're following the science. But because it's not the science that certain groups want to hear, and the answers that certain groups want to hear, they're being silenced. They're being silenced. Well, how are they being silenced? Completely taken off of every social media platform so they can't put their findings out there so that nobody can see their research, that nobody can hear their voice. And uh, one, of the, one of the things that I uh, heard that, that they said that I thought was an excellent point was, I understand that there is, now they said this, I understand that there is misinformation out there. There is misinformation out there. But though there is misinformation and people that spread misinformation, they said, if our voice can't be heard, in these conversations, and we're not qualified to be heard, then whose voice is qualified? Which is an excellent question. Think about that. They said, if, if our voice is not qualified to be heard in this conversation, then whose voice is? Because they're the leading experts in their fields. So, you know, if they can't talk about the science, then no one can. And that's the bottom line. If they can't talk about it, no one can talk about it. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. And they're being silenced on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all of it. Completely uh, limited and taken off and, and silenced. So they can't share their thoughts. Because it's not what the Antichrist agenda wants. Today, I, tr I tweeted this. Um. This morning before I came in, I was just kind of thinking about this. But, but listen to this quickly and just see if this makes any sense to you. I tweeted five tactics the CIA has used to destabilize nations. For example, if you want to go look at the history of that, go look at uh, Chile in the 1970s and see what, what the CIA did at that time with the government that was in power. Number one, five tactics that the CIA used to destabilize nations. Number one, they fund the opposition. They fund the opposition. So they'll go into another country and they will fund any of these groups that want to rise up and overthrow the government. The CIA will start to fund those groups. So they have plenty of resources. They have plenty of uh, uh, you know, weapons. By the way, uh, if you saw... I don't know if you saw the movie um, American Made with Tom Cruise. It was based on a true story. Uh, put a hand up in the comments if you ever saw the movie American Made with Tom Cruise, where he's the pilot. He's the airline pilot that gets caught 
smuggling cigars back from Cuba to the United States. And then, you know, he, he has a contact in a bar where he gives them and then they, they sell them and distribute them. Well, the CIA finds out that's what he's doing. And the CIA put him basically working for them to start uh, delivering. They're trying to do the same thing. They're destabilizing a nation. And so they're providing guerrilla warriors with weapons in other nations. And so <clears throat> they hire uh, the man that Tom Cruise plays in the movie in real life. They hire him to uh, begin to deliver weapons to guerrilla warriors in, other na- in another nation to destabilize that nation so that they have plenty of resources and plenty of weapons. And at the same time, he gets caught up in the, with the Medellin cartel, you know, which is insane, uh, you know, in, in Colombia. And then you see uh, he's working both sides of the fence. He's delivering weapons for the CIA into those countries, and then he's delivering drugs from the cartel back into the United States with the same planes. And, of course, he was killed <laughs> for that later. But you can see what they're doing. You can see that they are uh, funding the opposition in other nations to destabilize that nation. That's one of the things that they do. It's a tactic. It's a destabilization tactic. Um, and so you'd, you'd ask yourself the question, why would anybody fund the opposition? Well, when you want to tear down a nation, you have to fund those and give resources to those that are working to tear down that nation, right? Uh, which I'll come back to. Number two, they always, they, they'll assassinate leaders, They'll do assassinations of leaders uh, to pull them out of power and to uh, overthrow the government. Number three, they will destroy the economy. They will destroy the economy. Um, and there's, there's record of that now of presidents telling the CIA about nations they're trying to destabilize, make their economies scream. That's one, that was one of the uh, presidential quotes that we have from history. Uh, you can look it up for yourself. Make their economy scream. Uh, they, de- they, they destroy economies of these nations to destabilize them. Number four, they, they do a propagandist media takeover. So they don't just destroy the economy, they take over the media and they buy out networks and they buy out newspapers. Uh, back then, obviously, people were reading the newspaper a lot more. And, um, and then they start to tell you and the population what they want people to hear what they want people to see what they want people to believe this has been proven by the way that if you hear something long enough from enough sources even if you didn't believe it at the beginning they've proven that people start to believe something that they hear all the time coming from multiple sources say well everybody's saying it it must be true and that's how that's how they get into your mind through propaganda and then number five Uh, the CIA will go into a nation and create chaos. They'll create chaos, whether through rioting, violence, whatever, whatever it is, Uh, you know, the cultural chaos, political chaos, whatever. And they'll use those tactics to destabilize a nation. And then I tweeted, you know, tongue in cheek, thank goodness none of these things are happening in the USA. But why you say, well, why, why are you talking about that? What's the point of that you're making? I'm talking about the end times. I'm talking about the last days and Bible prophecy. And I want to talk to you about uh, why these things make a difference when we're discussing what will happen according to end times Bible prophecy. Because one thing is for sure, and I want you to, I want you to see it with me in, in the book of Revelation chapter 13. 
And I want you to, to understand what I'm talking about. In Revelation chapter 13, uh, the Bible uh, it starts to talk about the first and the second beast that will rise up. Uh, the first and the second, you know, beast. And then, and then of course, it, it deals with them at length. Um, and then I want to show you one specific thing that we'll focus on. And that is this. Uh, the Bible says that when he rises up, there will come a time, this is uh, chapter 13 and verse number three, that one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. Now, some people that are Bible scholars will uh, are teaching and do believe that that means that there will be an actual assassination of the Antichrist, an actual assassination of the Antichrist, and then uh, a resurrection. So, the, the scripture says here, one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. So almost this antichrist, Christ was resurrected. And so this antichrist figure uh, will either seemingly have a resurrection or the, 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 God, the Lord will actually allow him to have a resurrection for the purpose of bringing total judgment to the earth. If, if you're looking at it in the way those scholars do. And then the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast and they worshiped the dragon for he had given his authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who can fight against it? Verse five. And the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words. And it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. And it, it opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling. That is those who dwell in heaven. Look at verse seven, though. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and conquer them. And authority, now listen to this right here. And authority was given. This is verse uh, seven. Authority was given it over every tribe, every people, every language and every nation. So, and I won't, I won't go, go deep into that because I know there's a lot to obviously end times Bible prophecy, but, but let me just deal with this one thought there without question, according to Bible prophecy, without question, uh, there will be a one world government, a one world monetary system and a one world leader and a one world religion. These things are going to happen. You go on further, if, we, if we're staying in, in uh, the 13th chapter, um, of course, you know what the, the Bible talks about later. That in verse 16, it will cause all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be marked on the right hand of the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless it has the mark. So one world economy, one world religion one world government, one world uh, ruler. And we know that the Bible has prophesied that. We've known that for a long, long time. And people start to ask though, and they're like, and they're like, uh, how could that ever happen? You know, that's fiction. That's fairy tale. You know, how could that ever happen that we would experience, you know, a one world uh, government leader system, whatever? You know, how, how could that ever happen? Well, when you look at it in the way that nations are set up today, you couldn't have it happen. 
It, it couldn't come to pass the way that we have nations today. For example, and I say this sometimes uh, when I'm speaking or, or whatever, how can you have a one world uh, government or a one world system, even economy, um, if you have strong independent nations functioning in the world? For example, how can you have a one world government when you have a China and a Russia and a United States, you know, these other nations that we see that they're strong, independent nations. You can't have those things come to pass. You can't have a one world government that, you know, you can't tell me that any nation is going to be cool with a one world government as it stands, as it stands. Or, you know, though, though there are some that are already talking about a one world economy, how much easier it would be if we had a one world economy. And there are those that are talking about that today. You know, if you ever watch or read any of the things that come out of the World Economic Forum, your mind will be blown. That's why I've, I've played some of them on the broadcast before. So you can see the plans that are being discussed and are in place uh, by those that are, uh, you know, Klaus Schwab and those that are in the World Economic Forum. You know, you can read the books that have come out. You know, um, uh, COVID-19 and the Great Reset is, is one that Klaus Schwab released. Uh, the, the, another, the, another one that was really eye-opening, if you want to have a, a title that'll uh, kind of blow your hair back a little bit, is, um, let, me let me pull it up because I have it in my uh, phone, but it's, it's worth you hearing about. The Fourth Industrial Revolution, another book by Klaus Schwab. The Fourth Industrial Revolution, where he talks about how your children are the next industrial revolution. Controlling, not just, you know, you go back to how the, the world changed through the actual industrial revolution. You know, factories and how, you know, uh, production lines and how things can come right off the line and we could and it really change the world. But the next thing that he's positing that will actually change the world is the control, manipulation of the next generation getting into their heads early, uh, really forming them in a way that you want them to think and believe and pushing them in that direction so that they carry out what you want them to do. Because that's exactly what happens. What happens when someone is fed propaganda, you realize this if you've ever studied history, propaganda is there for a purpose, right? It's like, go back to Nazi Germany and read the propaganda that was being released uh, in the streets, on buildings, you know, on the news, on the radio, whatever, the propaganda that they fed the people. Well, what was it doing? It was, it's, it's not just there as information, it's there as motivational information. Motivational information. What does that do? Uh, motivational information is there for the purpose of making you take action that they want you to take. That's what propaganda does. It's, it's motivational information that makes you take actions that they want you to take. And so anytime there was war, anytime there were things like you saw in the World War, propaganda was put out to control a population's mindset. You know, even England, even England uh, created a type of propaganda because during the, during the World War, 
you know, we see it now, uh, you know, on every sign. Put your hand up in the comments if you've seen uh, England's famous propaganda um, reused and, and, and basically recycled for anything that people like. You've seen like the journals like keep calm and drink coffee, you know, keep calm and keto on or, you know, whatever. The original uh, poster said keep calm and carry on. And this was during World War II when there were blackouts in England and where there were, uh, you know, there were night raids and night bombs. You'd hear the sirens go off. There were sandbags in the streets uh, and, and there, were, there were shelters, bomb shelters, because people would come in with planes during, during the blackouts and they would start dropping bombs, uh, you know, in different parts of the nation. And that's, let me tell you, obviously that's <laughs> extremely traumatic to go through. And you've got little kids and you're trying to work a job and you're trying to live life. Meanwhile, the world's at war. You've got some of your family overseas fighting and all of that. So England came up with this thing that was posted everywhere. It had the crown at the top and it said, keep calm and carry on. You know, encouraging the British people to be strong, to be, you know, fortify yourself and, and keep on with life. Don't stop. Don't quit. It was an encouragement, but it's motivational information. It's something that I'm putting out there because I want to change the way you act and the way you think. Now, they were trying to help people, but other nations were not trying to help people. They were just simply uh, carrying out their own agenda in the nation. And uh, when I went back to this thing I tweeted this morning to understand how these things are, are, are being, uh, they're teaching us about the end times. Look at what's going on with, with Rogan. Uh, now they want to put, even though the people, as I said before, even though uh, the people that he's having on are the top experts in their fields, top experts in their fields, they want to still, I mean, CNN's pushing for this, others are pushing for this. They want to put a bumper, audio bumper or video bumper on either side of his podcast that said this, this podcast and this, these conversations are filled with misinformation or, or whatever. No, no, this stuff is not, you know, fact-checked, it's not right, whatever. And uh, he was even cool allowing them to do that. But the other thing is, they're calling for him to be, to be shut down. You know, he's the reason. So now you see, Neil Young. I don't know if anybody saw this in the news, but the old musician singer, Neil Young, and Joni Mitchell now, if you even know who those two names are, uh, are, <laughs> are, are now... They've stripped their music off of Spotify because of Joe Rogan's dangerous podcast that's killing people. It's the cause of people dying. Really, him having conversations with experts is the cause of people dying. That's what they're claiming. And they've stripped their, uh, their music off of the streaming service, which that's why I tweeted. I don't think anybody gives a crap because it's like, if you go back, you'll find this. This made me laugh. Somebody was telling me this because this got in the news with the Neil Young, take my music off Spotify. One of the most, one of the most Googled things over the past week has been who is, uh, <laughs> oh man, who is Neil Young? So people don't know who he is. I mean, there's a lot of people that do because they're still alive. But there's a whole generation of people that are like, who is Neil Young? Who is Neil Young? Who is Joni Mitchell? You're like, and why do we give a crap that their music's being taken off of Spotify? And so 
it makes me laugh because they act like they're making this big move. They don't realize Spotify paid $100 million to have his podcast on. And they're pushing. You know, they're, they want him gone. They want him gone. Or they want him to apologize and say he was wrong. Or they want him to just quit doing what he was doing. And, 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 the, and the thing that's insane, people keep saying that. Uh, Prince Harry did the same thing. Why was Prince Harry on Spotify? He, he had a podcast or something? Or, I mean, he doesn't sing that I know of. Megan and Harry, like, what, what were they on Spotify for? Or, or was that just like they aired their wedding on Spotify or something? I don't, even, I don't even know what that is. So, and also, who cares? <laughs> like, who cares about Prince Harry and Megan? Like, who cares? Um, but you, you think to yourself, like, they've already made the investment. All right, well, what's going on? Why are they doing all these things? Why do they want people to be silenced? Why are they taking people off of YouTube? Why are they taking people off of social media? Uh, you know, I can't even believe that our, this, this live, that things we've talked about already, are, we're still live on YouTube. And Facebook, which is mind-blowing to me. But if we looked at this, okay, you say, well, what do you see about the end times? Well, the question you have to ask yourself, how are we going to progress to that place where these things would even be plausible, even be feasible. Well, the way that we're going to do it, obviously, is we're going to, we're going to move in a direction uh, that the Bible prophesies that we will move. But it, you know what it means? It means that we're going to have to have a nation uh, destabilized. We're going to have to have nations destabilized. No question about that. You're not going to, you're not going to bring everybody under a one world ruler without nation... You know, people ask the question, and my uncle Tiff Shuttlesworth has done great teaching on it, but people ask the question, why is America not mentioned in Bible prophecy? Well, one of the answers to that question is that maybe when those things are taking place, America is no longer a sovereign nation. I mean, that is a one logical answer to that question. Maybe by that time, America will not be sovereign anymore, but it will be under the banner of another country. You know, we don't know. We don't know. But one of, one of the things, um, one of the things that we have to understand is that we can see these things at work already. So the five things that I mentioned before about the destabilization of a nation, look at those. Fund the opposition. Have you ever wondered? I mean, like, it's my, I mean, I'm a, a logical thinking person. It's always blown my mind. I remember when President Obama was in office and money was being sent, like multiple, multiple millions of dollars being sent to uh, Muslims overseas. You know, pallets of, pallets of money being dropped off in places. And you're thinking to yourself, why are we doing that? You know, what's going on? Why are we also, you know, uh, President Trump actually asked this question and people like vilified him for it. But it's like, why are we funding nations that are opposing us in the UN? Why do we continue to fund, fund nations that are actively opposing us in the United Nations? Why are we dropping off pallets of cash to people that oppose our nation? Why, do we, why are we funding them? I mean, we're not that stupid. You know, they say we've got the smartest people that there are in charge. I I don't doubt that they're smart, but that also shows you that the things they're doing aren't dumb, they're planned. Man, 
Put that in the comments section, everybody that's watching. The things that are happening aren't dumb, they're planned. There's no way that you have MIT graduates and you have Harvard graduates and Yale graduates, doctorates, uh, you know, PhDs, multiple doctorates, and they're in charge of different, uh, you know, government offices, and they're making decisions that you and I sit back and are like, what in the world is that, is, why is that happening? Why would they do that? Anyone with a brain knows you don't do that, right? You don't do that. And so you start to see, oh yeah, it's planned. And so why would you fund the opposition? Because funding the opposition is one of the first steps in destabilizing a nation. And when you recognize that guys like uh, George Soros and Klaus Schwab and the, and the rest of the globalists want to destabilize the nation, want to have control, want to bring a, a reset, and they want to have a globalist one world agenda. Well, then it makes sense, doesn't it? it? Now it doesn't look dumb. Now it looks like, hey, you're doing exactly what you should do to obtain the goal that you want to obtain, which is destabilization, control, and globalism. Well, of course you can see it. Uh, assassination of leaders. Well, we may not have had a, a president assassinated in a while, but there have definitely been people that have gone missing. I don't know if you've known this and seen this. Anybody seen anybody that holds some truth? Have you seen anything that uh, in the news over the last couple of years where anybody who may uh, have access to some truth that people in power don't want them to have access to or reveal to the public and suddenly everybody's committing suicide. Suddenly we have suicide. I'm, I'm just saying um, it's a little suspicious to me that people who have uh, truth that they don't want out apparently find ways to kill themselves even in a, <laughs> I'm just, I'll move on. But you're going to see that people are being taken out and moved out of the way. That's not hard to understand. The third thing, uh, they destroy the economy of these nations. Well, if you're looking at destabilization, if you're looking at bringing everything into a one world system, you've got to start destroying economies. You look at the United States economy and the way things were going, you think to yourself, I, I heard one guy say, if you were making decisions, if you looked back at, the, at things that are going on and you thought to yourself, what would someone do who had a plan to destroy America? What, what actions would someone take that wants to destroy America? And if you look at what actions have been taken and then you ask yourself, how would they be any different? How would they be any different from that? And you start to realize, hold on a second, there are plenty of decisions being made that are the same decisions that someone would make if they wanted to destroy America. Destroy the economy. Destroy the economy. How are people that are this smart continuing to plummet? I mean, our nation is plummeting into unfathomable debt that you don't recover from. And these are supposed to be the smartest economists in the world, in the world. And they're not helping the economy at all. In fact, we're plummeting into unfathomable debt in this nation. Many economists are saying you can't stand that forever. 
obviously there has to be a dump at some point. And you, and you, start, to, you start to think, well, hold on. Why are these things going on? Why aren't we engendering people to go get a job? Why are we just paying people to sit home? Well, how, here's a question. How is it that you've got, for example, Rome, Georgia, Rome, Georgia, wanting, wanting to, McDonald's, wanting to pay people $32 an hour, $32 an hour to come flip burgers and no one will take it. How do you get Arby's and Taco Bell offering $1,000 sign-on bonuses and $25, $30 an hour to work at a fast food place and people aren't taking it? And we're paying people to stay home and do nothing. Literally, uh, I've been through places and it's like, I, pull through, I pulled through one with Zach Zach was with me and I pulled through one, one Taco Bell and it was just after four o'clock and the girl said, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm shutting it down. We're not open. I said, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. She said, I know, but we don't have anybody else to do the, the, the shift from here till the night. And so my boss told me I could shut it down. I said, we've already placed an order through the app and paid for it. And she was like, you'll just have to call somebody and get your money back. I'm, sh- I'm closing. It's like, you're closing at four in the afternoon. Why? Why are these things happening? Because no one's coming to work. Why is no one coming to work? Because they're getting paid to stay home. Why would we pay people to stay home? It's part of the answer to destroy the economy. Shut the economy down. We've got no places... Places aren't opening. You got no people to work. You got no supply. You know, all these different things. What are you doing? It's exactly what they're doing. No intelligent government would pay their people to stay out of the economy, to stop making money, to stop flourishing in the economy. No intelligent government would do that. So you can't think, well, they're just dumb. They're not dumb. They have MIT trained, Harvard trained, Yale trained economists that are globalists at heart that want to see destabilization take place in America and around the world. Of course they want that. It's all part of this end time Bible prophecy to see these things come to pass. Number four, propagandist media takeover. I mean, come on, man. What are you seeing in America? What are you seeing around the world? Media takeover. That's why they're doing the things they're doing to people like Joe Rogan. You go the other side of the spectrum, you got Alex Jones. And Alex Jones, you know, has been warning about these things for a long time. Of course, there's people that think he has insane ideas and think he's insane. And so he was stripped off of every social media platform as well as having his podcast removed from all podcast platforms. And if, and they had his URL taken down to his website and if, if hackers had not gone in and put his website back up, he wouldn't even have a website to broadcast from. Total silencing of people. What do you think cancel culture is all about? What do you think cancel culture is all about? It's about silencing the ones that disagree with you and your sacred cows. They just straight up silence them. Straight up silence. The only problem with Joe Rogan is he's so big you can't silence him. He's so big you can't, you, you can't shut him up. He's got too many, too many followers. 
There are some people that have become so successful, they transcend cancel culture like Dave Chappelle. It's like impossible to cancel him because he's so well-liked. And so, I mean, you can even say the things that he said on purpose to stir up this whole uh, culture, this whole cancel culture. That's, that's what his sticks and stones, and I'm not recommending that you watch these things. I'm just saying, if you understand it, that's what his sticks and stones uh, special was all about was about you can say things that disrupt the sacred cows of culture and still you should be allowed to say them in America because we have free speech. And once we stop free speech, you can't have free transmission of thought. You can't have any logical conversations because as Dr. Jordan Peterson pointed out in one, in one interview, if you can't risk offending anyone, then you can't speak at all because anything you say will offend somebody at some point. And so if you, there's no point in, in worrying about of, offending people because that's what free speech risks inherently. If we're going to be able to say anything we want to say, we will always risk offending someone. That's why it's so demonic, this whole cancel culture. That's why it's so, you can see that it's not only demonic, that's where you can see the antichrist agenda behind it. That's where you can see this globalist agenda behind it. You know, you shouldn't be able to say whatever you want to say. That's demonic. That's demonic. And you start to realize that this is what's going on. So number four, propagandist media takeover. Why do you think social media is deleting so many people? Deleting people. <laughs> and, and like they won't even, in many cases, they won't even tell you why they've deleted you. They won't tell you why. There's no answer. You violated our guidelines. Well, what does that mean? What thing did I say? And there's no getting it back many times. You're just done. You violated our guidelines. Okay, well, which one did I violate? What did I do? What, which tweet was it? Which post was it? What did I say? We're not telling you. We're not telling you. We're just letting you know that you violated our guidelines and you're done. So done. They're just removing people. Just removing people. And uh, it's insane. It's insane. So pro not only propagandist media takeover, raise your hand in the comments if you've seen any of these... Um, mashups or, or compilations where they put all of the major news media networks from across the country in like a big grid and then they hit play and they're all synchronized like robots and all of the newscasters from different cities different they're all saying the exact same thing you're hearing verbatim it's like an echo the, the exact same words almost as though one writer is writing for every news network. Every new, I mean, saying the, if you've, if you've seen that, raise your hands. It's like a compilation of the news networks with everybody, like robots, saying the same exact thing. Well, you think that's an accident? Do you honestly think that's an accident? Or do you think that there is an agenda being fed to these news networks that is propaganda and media takeover. Um, I just saw, oh yeah, I, I know that, Laura. Zuck, Mark Zuckerberg admitted that fact checkers use, an opin use opinion as part of their uh, restrictive shutdown. No question, it's based on opinion. In fact, if you listen to the, uh, the Dr. Robert Malone interview on Joe Rogan, he said that when he started making his claims about data on LinkedIn to start off, he was uh, fact checked and said that he was wrong, he appealed it and said, uh, explain to me which part of my, my facts are wrong. 
And the owner, like literally the owner had to come back to him and be like, yeah, we've looked at that and our fact checkers aren't even qualified to tell you that you're wrong. Not even qualified. They don't even have the same level of education or the data that you have. So you like, how, so you ask yourself in situations like that, when he was fact checked and then had his stuff deleted or whatever, and then he, he, he appeals it, you think to yourself, well, on what basis then did those guys say he was wrong? Like, if you think about it logically, you're like, all right, so they, they looked at that. By what, you know, what basis did they have? Because the, the, you know, the head of, of LinkedIn had to come back and say, yeah, actually, you're right. Our guys aren't even qualified to tell you you're right or wrong, and they don't have the data you have, and they don't have the education you have. Okay, so then why did they do it? If there's not an agenda behind it, it's propagandist media takeover. It's what you're seeing all through the world, and you're seeing it in the United States of America. It's exactly what you're seeing, and that's, it's part of everything that's going on. It's anti-Christ agenda. And then finally, number five, you can see it. Create chaos. Create chaos. What's that about? Now, I'm, I'm coming to the end of this, and it's, it's not discouraging. It's encouraging, because I'm going to show you something at, here at the very end before we pray. The, the creating of chaos. We see, we see it in our streets. We see it with uh, the, the racial tension that we, that we had, fabricated. I believe much of it fabricated. Things happen, and they, look at how the media takes over and reports only the things that they want to report on. And then they push it so hard, media cycle after media cycle after media cycle. Am I saying that there's no actual racial tension? No, of course there is. But look at how the media blows it up into the eyes of Americans and then puts a great divide between people in the United States of America. Feeding into it, feeding into it. Political deviation uh, and division, racial tension and division. You go through all these different things and start to realize that chaos, rioting, you know, rioting in the streets, looting in the streets, these things are all created by the media. These things are all propped up by media. If people don't realize that, they, they've lo- they don't understand. They don't, they've lost their minds if they don't understand that. Totally don't understand it. And so it's being propped up. It's being promoted by media networks as part of the propaganda to get society to do what they want them to do. It's exactly what's happening. And, and, and what's going on? The, the issue, as you can see, is this antichrist agenda to bring the world into a one world government system. But what's the good news on top of this? So we look at all these things that have happened and you realize that it's been 2,000 years, approximately, you can give or take, it's been 2,000 years since the early church was founded and Christ, uh, of course, we know the rapture hasn't happened, but also the Antichrist has not been able to take power. Now, if you believe that kind of end times Bible prophecy, where you believe that there's an actual Antichrist coming, that there's a rapture of the church, that there's an actual tribulation, then you would have to believe, I've talked about this before, but you would have to believe that since Only God knows the day and the hour of Christ's return. And Jesus did say that. He said, only the Father knows these dates. They're not for me to know. They're not for you to know. Only the Father knows. So only the Father knows when Christ will return. So that means that the devil doesn't know. So if there truly is a man that's going to rise into power, then that means that the enemy has had to have men ready to go in every generation in case Christ were to come back in that generation. 
had to have somebody ready to go to rise up and to take power because the devil doesn't know. But then that also shows you that the devil doesn't have the power that so many people think he has to just take over. He can't just take over, especially while there's a anointed, Holy Ghost-filled, praying church on the earth. That's you, that's me. As long as we are here, as long as we are praying, as long as we have authority and dominion, and we always will, then the devil can't just do whatever he wants to do. This is the power of the body of Christ being in position in the, in the earth, is that we are filled with the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead. We are filled with Holy Ghost power. We can cast out demons. We have power to heal the sick. We have power to literally take authority wherever we are, in our neighborhoods, in our, in our families, whatever. We have power to take authority over not just uh, these, these effects of the devil, but the plan of the Antichrist as well, which is one of the reasons that we've got to be moved out of the earth. You know, people don't understand this. This is one of the reasons we have to be moved out of the earth through the rapture. Because, uh, and I believe this with all my heart, that when Paul is writing to the Thessalonians and tells them that the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition, will not be able to be revealed until the one who is restraining him is moved out of the way. Well, you can only ask yourself, what is restraining the spirit of Antichrist? Is it governments? No, because governments are wicked. Governments are not restraining the Antichrist. They, many of them, in fact, if not all of them, are operating in an Antichrist spirit. So they're not holding back the Antichrist. Okay, so what is it? Is it the Holy Spirit? I don't believe it is the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is omnipresent, which means that he will still be on the earth even when the believers are gone from the earth. How do you remove the Holy Spirit from any place? You can't. That's why the psalmist even wrote, Lord, if I find my, my, or if I make my bed in Sheol or in hell, you are there. You are there. You can't remove the Holy Spirit from anywhere. He's omnipresent. And so it's not, it is not the, uh, it's not the Holy Spirit that's withholding the Antichrist, but if you understand it truly, it is the Holy Spirit indwelt believers that are holding back the Antichrist. What did Jesus say in the book of Luke chapter 10? I have given you all authority over all the power of the devil. And I've dealt with those two Greek words before, exousia and uh, dunamis. Those two Greek words are different. Dunamis means power, but exousia means authority. I've given you authority over all of the power of the enemy. And so we have authority over Satan. We have authority over demons. We have authority over the Antichrist spirit and agenda. And that's why he's not been able to take over. That's why we're not in a one world system. That's, that's why we're not in a one world government or monetary system or religion. We're still here and we have power. Uh, let me finish in 1 John chapter 4 before we pray. 1 John chapter 4. 
the context of this is the Antichrist agenda, the Antichrist system. Let me, uh, let me start with verse 1, and we'll read through verse 4. Um, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Listen, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus uh, is not from God. Uh, This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Now look at verse 4. Now you fully understand the context of verse 4, although most of us only ever quote verse 4 by itself. But now you know the context of it. Listen, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. So we already, we quote that all the time, but who are the them? Who's the them? Spirits of Antichrist and those operating in the spirit of Antichrist. You are from God and have already overcome those who are operating by a spirit of Antichrist and the spirits of Antichrist. Why? For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So we always talk about that in every different context. Well, what does that mean? Well, greater than sickness, greater than disease. Yes, it's greater than all those things. But get this in your spirit. The Bible is saying here in context, you've overcome spirits of Antichrist. For greater is he that's in you than the spirits of Antichrist that are in the world than those that are operating with the spirit of Antichrist in the world. That's why we don't lay down and die to the spirit of Antichrist. We don't have to subject ourselves or submit ourselves to the spirit of Antichrist. Why? The the one who is greater than Antichrist is alive and at work on the inside of us. And so as a result, we are not uh, subjected to the spirit of this world. We are not subjected to the spirit of Antichrist. You can see that the setup is already happening, but just because the setup is already happening does not mean you've lost any authority. That doesn't mean you've lost any power. Doesn't mean that you've lost any dominion because you've not. You are filled with resurrection power. You are filled with the very spirit of the almighty God. And you don't take a back seat to anything or anyone operating by an antichrist spirit. And so greater is he that is in you than the antichrist spirits that are in the world. No question about that. For Christ will always be greater than antichrist. And I want you to put that in the comments. Christ will always be greater than antichrist. Write it. Put it on a piece of paper and highlight it and underline it. Christ will always be greater than Antichrist. No question about that. No question about that. And so we can see it that those, these things. Now, you say, why would you do a broadcast like this? What does it mean to me? Let me bring it down to what it means to you. Since we know That these things, I just pointed out five of them that you can see that are antichrist tactics, destabilization tactics, 
One world tactics. You can see it. You can see the plans of Soros and Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. You can see all those things. Okay? Bring it into what does it mean to me? How, how does this even apply to you as a Christian? I say, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a working mom, you know, that lives in South Carolina. And, you know, I'm not, well, how does this matter? I'm going to tell you how it matters to you. Number one, to understand, don't be discouraged by anything you see taking place in the world because you have an understanding that the greater one is alive and at work on the inside of you. Don't allow your heart to be troubled. That's number one. So if you want to write these in the comments, I'm giving you the reasons that this applies to you. Number one, knowing who you are, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be discouraged by anything you see happening in this world. Do not be discouraged. That's number one. Don't be discouraged. Don't be disheartened. The greater one lives in you. Greater than the one that's in this world. And you've got authority. And you've got power. There's no reason to be discouraged for any reason. Not for any reason. That's number one. Number two is end times awareness. That's an important thing. End times awareness is number two. You should know the day and age in which you're living. You say, well, why is that? Well, because there are certain commands in scripture that depend on you knowing the day that you're living in. An example of that would be Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Beloved, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the custom of some. But as the, you see the day of the Lord approaching, gather all the more. Which means that though we don't know the day or the hour of Christ's return, the Bible says that we can see or sense the day of the Lord approaching, which means that we can know what season we're in. And these things that you see happening that are truly signs of what's to come gives us an end time awareness. I'm living in the last days. These are the final moments of time. This is like, it's winding up. And end time awareness is, 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 is important because you don't want to sit around just coasting through life in oblivion, wondering like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I, 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 no, you've got to have an understanding of where we are. Why? For number three, purpose number three. Love you, Tim. Number three is that it should impart a supernatural urgency into your spirit. That's the third thing. I should have urgency in my spirit. Put that in the comments. Number three, this, what we're seeing, should impart an urgency into my spirit. Well, an urgency to do what? An urgency to get busy with the purpose and the call that's upon my life. I need to get busy with the purpose and the call that's upon my life. Don't wait 20 years. Don't wait 10 years to step out and do something that the Lord's asking you to do. Get it done with urgency, knowing Jesus is coming soon. I can see the signs of the times. I know the day we're living in. And I've got an urgency to obey what the Lord has asked me to do. Jesus told his disciples, he said in John chapter nine and verse four, he said, we've got to work the works of him who sent me while it is yet day for the night is coming where no man can work. The night is coming 
where no man can work. What was he doing? Imparting urgency into their spirit. Get to work. Get to work. Do what the Lord's called you to do. Don't coast. Don't push it off. Don't procrastinate. Get to work and do what the Lord's told you to do. And then number four, let me give it to you this way. Number four, it should impart to you a supernatural compassion for people. A supernatural compassion for people. That's number four. And the reason I say that is because when you look around this world and realize there are so many people who are not ready to see Jesus when he comes, they're not ready. They're not ready to see Jesus. And judgment is awaiting them. You think about it. That's a deep thought. That's a very heavy thought for any Christian to endure. Judgment is coming for them. Not a temporary judgment, an eternal judgment that there's no escape from. There's no escape from. And if we don't reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, time will run out. That's urgency. And they will be judged eternally. That should put a compassion in your spirit for people. That time is coming to a close and you're not ready. You're not ready to see Jesus Christ. You're not ready to see Jesus Christ. And I've got the truth. I've got the truth of God's word in me. I could share it with you. I could tell you what's to come. I could tell you what's going on. I could help you to see the light of God's word. I could help you to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then your life would be turned around. For as Paul the apostle wrote to the Roman church, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The God, without the gospel preached, there is no salvation. I want people to get that in their spirit because God doesn't randomly save people and he doesn't send angels to people to, be, to get them saved and they don't randomly just look at the stars in the sky and say, wow, there must be a God, I'm saved. It doesn't work that way. Without the gospel preached, there is no salvation. People ask, what happens to someone that never hears the gospel? They go to hell. They go to hell. They are judged. You say, well, how is that fair? How is that fair? They never even got a chance to hear the gospel and God's going to send them to hell. He's not just. No, he gave the job of preaching the gospel to the church. And the church in many, in many places has failed to preach the gospel and to do missions and to reach people for Christ. They've failed in many cases. And so on judgment day, it won't be God's fault that people didn't hear the gospel. It will be the church's fault that people didn't hear the gospel. Not God's. God is just. God is just. But understand that with, that's why Paul's making the whole argument that he makes uh, in Romans chapter 10. We call it the Romans road to salvation. That's exactly what Paul's trying to explain. If you've never heard it, let me quickly read it to you so that you understand why we have so much compassion for people. Listen to what he said. Paul says uh, in Romans 10, starting with verse 8, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Now, let's go to verse 14 and look at, this is the process. Are you ready for this? This is the process. Verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? So how can you call on somebody you don't believe in? If I don't believe in Jesus, why would I call on him? That's the first step. How can they call on someone who they not believed in? And how are they to believe in someone they've never heard about? So if you've never heard about Jesus, how could you believe in him? You can't. Okay. And then how are they to hear without someone preaching? So that's the next step. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So notice this is, and then of course, you know, the Bible says, uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So you start to realize that there's a process, right? A preacher is sent. And that doesn't mean a five-fold ministry gift. Every Christian is called to preach the gospel in their generation. Every Christian is called to do evangelistic work at the workplace, at their school, family reunion, whatever. We're all called to preach the gospel. You see this now? So number one, they're sent. Number two, they preach. And because they preach, the people can now hear about Jesus and who he is. They hear about Jesus. Now, number four, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And no man can be saved unless the spirit of God draws him. And the gospel is his drawing power. And notice this, they hear about Jesus and they're able to believe on Jesus' name. They're able to believe on Jesus' name. So there is a progression. And that's why urgency and compassion have to be the two main elements in your spirit as you understand where we are to do this work that God's called you to do. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't be embarrassed. That's the other thing. The devil wants people to be embarrassed of their faith, embarrassed of what they believe, embarrassed of the gospel, embarrassed of church. That's demonic. We're not embarrassed. Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because I understand that it's the power of God unto salvation. I understand that. And because I know what it does, I'm not ashamed to speak it. I'm not ashamed to share it because I know and understand fully what the gospel does. And so here at the end of this broadcast, I want you to understand why I'm showing you these things. Because all of these steps that are being taken, it's just a setup for the end times Bible prophecy to come to pass and for things to wrap up. But before they do, we've got an opportunity. We have a window of opportunity to see people changed by the power of God. And so I want to pray for you at the end of this broadcast. And I want to ask God to impart to every one of you a fresh urgency and a fresh compassion and a fresh boldness. And that was the fifth thing, by the way, on the list was that all these things you're seeing shouldn't just produce uh, urgency, shouldn't just produce compassion. They should also produce boldness because when you get urgent, you get bold. When you get urgent, you get, when you get bold, if you see a little kid, that's your, your child, that's about to hurt themselves, you run to them. You run to them and snatch them away from the danger. 
You run. You're not slowly sauntering over and say, well, no, you're rushing toward them and grabbing them away. Boldness comes on you. Maybe, maybe you're not a demonstrative person, but when you see someone you love about to be hurt, it's not just urgency. It's compassion. It's also boldness. Those are the things that should spark in your spirit. They should spark in your spirit. And that's what this is about. And so I'm praying for you today at the end of this broadcast. You have to have all three of those operating in your spirit to be effective in these final moments of time. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you for the Victory Tribe. I thank you for these precious people that have given themselves to Christ and the cause of Christ. Now, Lord, we can see clearly through your word and through what's going on in this world that's fulfilling your word that we're in the final moments of time. We're coming to the end of this season of grace. And Lord, I'm asking you today for every person watching and listening that you would impart to them a fresh urgency of the time we're living in, of what's getting ready to happen. Number two, a fresh compassion and love for people, for the unsaved, for the lost that need Christ. And number three, a fresh boldness to step out and to do what they're called to do without being ashamed or being afraid or being nervous, no trepidation. We step out by the power of the Holy Ghost in fresh and full boldness. And we thank you, Lord, that as we do these things, that a great harvest is coming unto us, a harvest of souls like we've never seen, a harvest of souls like we've never known in the mighty name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for raising up an army of people in the final moments of time that will do what you've asked them to do, that will not delay, that will step out boldly and see the work of Christ done on the earth in the wonderful name of Jesus. I give you praise, Lord, and I give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you receive it, if you believe it, throw up the fire, throw up the hands. I'm telling you, we're on a whole nother level in 2022. It's our year of divine possession by the power of God. Glory to God. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost on that. Things are changing for the better quickly. Very, very quickly. Thank you, Jesus. I'm gonna give you an opportunity here at the end of this broadcast. I'm going to challenge you to sow your seed today. We're in the midst of revival. God's touching people. I wish you could have seen the altar. I posted pictures on social. Wish you could have seen the altar yesterday morning with people being saved across the whole altar of God. Souls coming into the kingdom. If you missed it, go check it out on Instagram. Look at what God's doing. It's, God is moving by his power before it's too late. Souls are coming into the kingdom. And I'm encouraging you to stand with me and with Carolyn as we're touching this world with Jesus Christ's power before he comes back again. You're a part of it. You're a part of it. And you not only get to uh, make it available for others, but you get to be blessed at the same time. You get to be blessed at the same time. So I'm going to encourage you to sow your seed. You know what to do. You can go to miracleword.com, miracleword.com, and you can uh, sow your seed there by debit card or credit card. All of the digital platforms uh, are available, and so you can uh, use Cash App, you can use PayPal, Zelle, uh, hashtag donate if you're on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, you can use um, cryptocurrency. There's so many different ways, so many different ways that you can sow Venmo, but do what the Lord's telling you to do. God is speaking to people. One thing I'm seeing, even in my own life, God is speaking to people to step out in ways they never have before, 
to sow largely in ways they never have before. And that's the key because God's looking for an army of people that are rising up, that are not ashamed. They're not ashamed of what Christ is doing in the earth. I wish you could see in the service. That's why I'm encouraging you to get in these meetings, man. Wait till you see the hunger around the world. Don't get just stuck in your little corner, but get out and see what God's doing around the nation and around the world. And we love to see you in revival. And you'll be refreshed. It's powerful, man, what God's, what God's, I mean, this is going to be a different kind of year, man. I'm telling you, just get excited ahead of time because this is going to be mind blowing. And if you want to receive the offers for your seeds that you're sowing in partnership uh, at $85, maybe more, $250 more, $1,000 more, whatever, whatever it is you're doing, if you'd like to receive the gifts we're offering in, in this, and I think it's the last day of January already. I can't believe it. Can't believe it. But we have uh, Adventuring with Christ by Dr. Summerall, Amazing Stories of Faith, and How We Got the Bible by Dr. Lightfoot, two powerful books for those standing at $250 or more. Uh, if you'd like to receive these, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. And uh, for those that are sowing $1,000 or more, we have all three of these available to you, uh, including the Net uh, Study Bible with 60,000 translators notes. One of my favorite things uh, for study, probably now my favorite. It's, it's so eye-opening to see all of these things about the translation and about the text that you would never know otherwise. It's our gift to you. Go to that website to claim your offer. We'll get it out to you. Tell us where to send it. We love you a lot, man. We love you very, very much. Again, we're live tonight in Revival from Roswell, Georgia, World Harvest Church. It starts at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. And uh, it's been powerful. You don't want to miss it. Jump on in Revival with us tonight and through this whole week. And uh, we'll see you there. I'll be back again in the morning, 1030. I love you. Have a powerful day. And I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.